According to the United Nations, the human population will probably exceed 11 billion by the end of this century. Human activity has already led to dangerous levels of greenhouse gases and rapid depletion of resources from forests and oceans. And such pressures are likely to increase as the population grows. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Deborah Anderson, a professor of obstetrics and gynecology, microbiology, and medicine at the Boston University School of Medicine. Dr. Anderson has written a perspective article about the role of new contraceptive methods in achieving goals for sustainable development. Dr. Anderson, you write in your perspective article that during the second half of the 20th century, research on contraception was relatively well-funded. So why did interest in contraception and human reproduction wane after the end of the 20th century? I think the big reason is that we produced a number of very effective contraceptive methods that have actually reshaped society and are preventing about 50% of the unintended pregnancies in the world. It also waned because some of the dire predictions of consequences of exponential human growth didn't come through. There were some very inflammatory books written in the late 1900s talking about the population bomb and how the human population would outstrip Earth's resources, and that hadn't manifested by the end of the century. So there was a lot of talk about how a green revolution with engineered crops and other resources would actually keep up with human population growth. You say that the contraceptive methods developed at the end of the last century were effective, but they only dealt with 50% of the unintended pregnancies. What were the limitations of the methods? Why haven't they been sufficient to prevent the millions of unintended pregnancies that actually occur every year? I think the gap is that most of the contraceptive methods are healthcare-based. You have to see a physician, get a prescription. They're expensive. A lot of younger people and lower-income people don't have access to these contraceptive services, and this is a major problem. A disproportionate number of unintended pregnancies occur in young unmarried women who often lack access to comprehensive sexual education and modern contraception. And the WHO has pointed out that unplanned pregnancies in this group are a major contributor to maternal and child mortality and to intergenerational cycles of poverty and poor health. Why is now an appropriate time to reinvest in contraception and human reproduction research? Well, I think that it's becoming obvious that human population pressure is stressing the environment and something needs to be done to bring the population growth numbers down. And this is a good time because we have a lot of innovations in science that could be applied to human contraception. There are actually a number of contraceptive products in the pipeline that could be moved more quickly through. We desperately need a male contraceptive method And there are several male hormonal birth control pills, gels, and patches that are being brought through the pipeline now and could be expedited. And there are other male methods, such as drugs that temporarily inhibit sperm production or sperm function, that also look very promising. A method that I'm very excited about is called multipurpose prevention technology, or MPT, that offers dual protection against unintended pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections, such as HIV and herpes. This approach has been enthusiastically endorsed by women and could really boost the popularity of contraceptive methods. There are a number of MPT products currently under development, including a combination of antiretroviral therapy and hormone contraception 
and topically delivered non-hormonal agents such as monoclonal antibodies and other drugs that specifically target sperm, HIV, and other STIs. And I'm especially hopeful that we will come up with perhaps innovative strategies that aren't even thought of yet. The scientific field has made enormous progress in molecular biology, nanotechnology, bioinformatics, and other areas that could be applied to contraceptive research to come up with innovative methods. And I think that the cost of this second contraceptive revolution could be, it would be cost effective because currently the United States is spending $240 billion per year addressing health care and other costs attributable to pollution and global warming. And those costs are expected to increase to $350 billion annually in the next decade. Globally, the health costs of climate change are projected to exceed $1 trillion per year. So if we could just use a fraction of these dollars, the costs for the contraceptive innovations will be offset. Looking back to something you said earlier and thinking about these potential new methods, are they going to be available in places where they're needed? Are they going to be affordable? Well, that's the hope. A real emphasis has to be on affordability and perhaps over-the-counter methods are one solution to that. There are some vaginal products, films, gels, and rings that could be offered as over-the-counter products. Those are in the pipeline and could fill that gap. Finally, what steps can individual physicians take in the face of issues like climate change, environmental degradation, that may seem overwhelming and out of their control? I think we all need to do what we can. I'm weighing in on contraception because that's my research field, and I feel like there's something that I can do there. I think everyone needs to do what they can do with their talents to focus on this problem. We certainly need more sexual and contraception education to facilitate the access and use of existing contraceptive methods. Thank you, Dr. Anderson.